tomorrow we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We should celebrate every day. Every day when you look in the mirror, it should be a day to celebrate. Uh, I don't always celebrate what I look like that morning, but I celebrate the fact that the Lord has got me to the point where I can look in the mirror and now I can live uh, my day for him. He left the throne room of heaven to come here to earth. We're told that we can't even imagine what heaven is going to be like. It's not even in our, our thoughts what even a little bit of what heaven would look like. Paul said, I can't even tell you what I heard and saw there because it would be illegal. He, not that he would be arrested, but he just knew that there's no way to describe what he saw. So Jesus left that to come here, here in this fallen earth. Fortunately, there were so many loving people there to receive him. <laughs> you know, that's sad, isn't it? You know, when we think about it. So we have had the account of his birth for 2,000 years now. And we look back year after year looking at his birth, reminding ourselves, remembering, celebrating his birth. We celebrate by giving gifts to each other, but he was the one that gave the gift that no one else can give. And we should take joy in that. Even though his birth has been celebrated for centuries, we are celebrating one moment in time uh, where Mary was visited by an angel, told that she was going to have a child. And first of all, let's get a picture of Mary. She's a young teenager, and she probably still lives at home. We, we don't really talk about that much, but she probably was still living with her family, with her parents in her home, she was betrothed, meaning she was engaged, but betrothal is a little more than an engagement. It's a little deeper commitment than what we consider engagement. And she was betrothed to Joseph, who uh, probably wasn't that much older than her. But here is Mary, and she gets visited by an angel. That, in and of itself... It is stunning that she's there in this darkened place and all of a sudden the light comes into her room and an angel is speaking with her. And he tells her things that would blow any normal person's mind. It would just, you know, make anyone question their sanity at that point. You know, we would be running for the medicine cabinet to take something. Okay, I must, uh, you know, it must have been the, the sleeping aid that I took that is making me see things. 
that's what we would do today. That, that's why Jesus came at the time he did, uh, because they didn't have all that. It was very simple. He came and he spoke to the one. And although she didn't know, her heart was already prepared. She had already understood the scriptures. God was preparing this long before the angel got there to that room. Sure, she still had questions. But she said, let it be. Whatever God's will is, I'm going to accept it for my life. Even though she knew it was going to turn her life into turmoil. Because this was going to show that she was pregnant outside of marriage. And this was going to be something that was going to be tragic. Something for the rest of her life that was going to mark her. And especially as a young girl, you don't want something like that to, at such a young age. And then how am I going to explain this to Joseph? Well, Joseph was very understanding. He was looking for a way to put her away without, you know, because he really cared about Mary. He really did. He loved her. But he's like, okay, I'm going to have to find some way to deal with this. But then the angel comes to him and tells him the backstory. You see, the backstory was what Isaiah had written hundreds of years earlier. And the angel reminded Joseph, remember, Joseph knew the, the scriptures too. They were Jews. They were Jews from the line of David, both Mary and Joseph were from the line of David. And so being in the line of David, they would know what the scripture said. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And so Joseph heard that and he didn't have to question anymore. He knew this was the hand of God on Mary's life. Jesus was born in Bethlehem just as Micah the prophet um, told us. He said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem Everteth, which is the Bethlehem that Jesus was born in. There were many cities named Bethlehem, so it had to be specified which one it was. There were over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled by being born and living his life. He didn't have a choice as to where he was born. God planned all that. Caesar made a decree that people had to go and register for the census in their hometown. That's all God's plan. Caesar didn't know he was being used for God's plan. There are people in our government today that are being used for God's plan. It just doesn't always look like it's a good thing. But it's still God's plan being fulfilled. And so... Jesus 
is planned perfectly. Everything that had to do with his life, his birth, everything that had to do with his ministry, it was planned beforehand from the very beginning. So when we talk about Jesus, what comes to your mind? What picture? Many people picture a a long-haired man. He was a Nazarene. He didn't cut his hair. So he was a long-haired man with a beard, probably brown eyes, darker skin, wearing a robe, sandals, not Birkenstocks, just regular sandals. You know, he, he was just an average guy. And he looked like an average person. But we have so many images in our head from movies, TV shows, from pictures that were drawn, from statues. We have so many images that we get in our head of what you... And you know what? They always make him look like really handsome, you know, and and dashing and, and stuff like that. It says that he really had no form of character in his outward look, appearance. He wasn't comely. He didn't, people wouldn't be attracted to him by his looks. And uh, so we kind of have a misunderstanding of what Jesus actually looked like. But it doesn't matter what he looks like. You see, we get caught up on looks, appearances. We get caught up on position. You know, he was a carpenter. He must have been a great carpenter. There's no doubt about that. You know, he didn't even need to use a level. He just, he knew. If it wasn't level, he'd make the ground level. So, you know, he just knew what he was doing. And I'm sure that he was good at everything he did. Because he had a different perspective on everything. You see, he not only knew what you needed to do with wood. With, by the way, a carpenter, in the term that they use, it just means he was a handyman. He could do everything. Um, so uh, he would probably be well known in the community because of helping out in the homes and stuff like that, helping people out. But it wasn't his skills with tools and crafts and stuff like that. It was his skills at reading people that was going to make him special, that was going to really make him stand out. We can read people sometimes, and sometimes people are very easy to read. Sometimes some people are harder to read than others, but he wasn't reading their expressions. He wasn't reading a crowd. He was reading the hearts of the people. He knew what was going on in the hearts of the people because he knows history from the beginning to the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's seen everything the whole story from the beginning to the end. We can't comprehend that. We can barely remember our whole story. We try to remember at at my family's house, do you remember when we did this and did that? No, I have no no remembrance of that whatsoever. Was it good? (laughs) 
you know. And generally, when it pertained to me, it was like, did I get in trouble? You know, you know, and, but when we look at Jesus, we really need to go back not to the beginning of his birth, but we need to go to the beginning of the story. And that's found in John 1.1, where we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus was in the beginning with God. He didn't come into being on December 25th, oh, oh, whatever year it was, or it was actually more probably in the spring. But either way, that doesn't matter. The point is, that's not when he was born. It was when he was born in the flesh, but he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning of all things and the end of all things. He, he is without beginning and end, actually. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And that's hard for us to comprehend. Because he was there making everything that there is today. And we should recognize his Godhead. He is God. That's important. That's how come John started out with that. He wanted us to recognize who Jesus is, not just as our Savior 2,000 years ago, but as God. God leaving the throne room in the form of a man, coming down and taking the form of a man. Regardless of how healthy you are today, regardless of how much you work out physically fit you feel, you're dying All of us are. From the moment we're born, we're headed to death. And uh, it doesn't get much better for us until we die, until we leave this earth and enter into the new body. We enter into a, a new habitation created by God for us where we spend eternity. Looking forward to that, I sure am. And, uh, you know, he was the one that created all of this. So how is he still involved today? Because it doesn't look like creation went the right direction. It looks like it took a left turn somewhere. And that's what we're living with today. We're living with the the trials, the, the sin that came into the world. And how do we deal with that today? Well, we deal with it through Jesus Christ. In uh, uh, Colossians 1.16, Paul also wrote about who Jesus is. When he says, for him, for by him, excuse me, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones 
or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. What that means is that everything that's alive is alive because of him, and he holds it all together. Well, we would look at the world and say he's not doing a good job holding it together. Well, in reality, it's not at the macro level that we should be looking. It's the micro level that we should be looking. Atoms, scientists look at atoms and they say they shouldn't even stay together. And atoms should just fly apart. It doesn't make sense that an atom even exists. These are scientists and we know how good they are. And, and, <laughs> and they say that atoms should just fly apart. And you know what their excuse is for an atom staying together? It's called atomic glue. And there's no such thing. They just don't know what holds an atom together. And so they call it atomic glue. We call him Jesus. In him, all things consist. He is the glue that holds everything together. Every atom is held together by Jesus. And so now we get a different picture of who Jesus is. He's not just the personal relationship that we have with the man who came and died for us, leaving the throne room to come and be persecuted by his creation and then dying, but then coming back to life to show that he had power over sin and over death to show. And if he did that for him, he'll do that for us. He'll bring us back with him. That's his plan. He told us. He went to prepare a place for us. I wonder what that's going to look like. It's going to be better than the place we have here. No matter how good your place is here, there are termites. Jesus, it says in John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. This is an eyewitness testimony of what they saw. They saw Jesus, the glory of God, on Jesus right before their very eyes, and they documented it. You know, I've never seen George Washington but I know he lived. How do I know? Well, he has writings and people documented interactions with him. So we know that George Washington actually lived. We see the results of his life and the documentation of the past. Why do we believe in that but can't believe in the most documented person on the face of the earth, Jesus Christ? And so it's very simple to believe in Jesus. It's very simple to trust him because everything he said, everything that's documented about him is factual and it can be tested. You see, we can't test evolution. 
no one has been able to make something out of nothing. Right? And, and there's no place in the universe that you can go and find nothing. There's always something. And so there's no way to test that theory of evolution. But we can put the teachings of Jesus to the test just by reading them and applying them to our own lives. I'm going to test to see if this is true. I'm going to live like he told me to live. And if I do it, and what he said the result would be actually happens, we can say, oh, I can have peace. Even though life is going crazy, I can have peace. Is the world going crazy right now? There are crazy people in the world. Some of them are right here. And, and you know, because we're still human. We're still human. Uh, we still, you know, are impacted by the things around us. And it makes us crazy. But <clears throat> the good news is we're going to get out of here. We have hope. Jesus is our hope. And so while this doesn't seem like a Christmas message... It is the greatest Christmas message that we can have. Our hope in Jesus Christ. Our trust and our faith in him. Jesus wants us to understand who he is. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when he said that, it can be absolutely identified as true because Jesus never said anything that wasn't true. And so we can recognize him as the way that we need to go in our life. The truth, everything he says is truth, and the life. There is no life without him. And no one comes to the Father except through him. There are other religions out there some people say you can follow any religion as long as you follow it you know, properly, as long as you listen, then you're okay. God is going to honor that. <clears throat> Sorry, Jesus disqualified that. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so that disqualifies every other religion that doesn't put Jesus Christ at the head. He's not a spirit brother of Lucifer. He's not some other being. We, you know, even Islam believes in Jesus, but they don't believe he's the son of God. When he says, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's saying, through me, the son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. And so we can... Trust him. He didn't keep his light hidden. In verse 10 of John chapter 1, we read, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews, and his own did not receive him. They were told for thousands of years the Messiah was going to come. They had all the prophecies, the 300 prophecies that talked about the Messiah. They had them. They studied them. They believed them. But then when he came, they said, doesn't work. 
This doesn't fit what we believe because they changed what they believed. The world is the same way today. People believe whatever they want to believe instead of believing the one that told us what to believe. We either believe the truth or we believe a lie. And unfortunately, many people would rather believe the lie. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. That's why it's important for us not to be Christians, but to be believers. To, it, it's not about the title Christian. It's about believing in our heart. See, when you believe in your heart, it changes the way you live. It changes the vision that you have for the future, the perspective of what is important in life. That all changes when we believe. And so it's good for us to believe in Jesus Christ. There are so many who ignore his son, and they really have no excuse. In Romans 1.20, we read, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. We can see who God is because of creation itself. Creation is so complex. Just looking at individual parts of creation, we can see there was a plan to this. This couldn't have just all happened. Chuck Smith used to like to talk about someone taking a Timex watch, taking it apart. A, a Timex, no, they won't, don't even work when they're together. A Rolex watch, <clears throat> a Rolex, and taking it apart, take all the pieces, throw them down, and if you give it enough time, they will all come back together again. All you need is time to make them come back together again and be a functioning watch. Uh, that's what evolution is. It, it's saying it just takes time and material. Okay, where did the material come from? You know, th there's no explanation for that. Oh, it was a big bang. Oh, so nothing banged into nothing and made something? You know, that only happens when I'm cooking in the kitchen. That's my excuse. Being understood by the things that are made, we are the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. We're without excuse because we see it all around us. We can see if there's a painting, someone painted it. It didn't just happen, except in the case of Hunter Biden. The, the things that are made... Even his eternal power, I'm, I'm joking, he's a great artist. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that is the state of our world today. The hearts of men have been darkened because of foolishness. Believers in Jesus Christ have been set free from the darkness. The bondage that held us enslaved to sin 
has been taken away. The chains are removed and we're set free. Regardless of, hey, you know what? We're still going to go through trials just like everyone else in the world. We still go through troubles and, and tribulation in our lives. The difference is we have hope. They don't. Their hope is based on themselves or a doctor or a lawyer or someone. But we, our hope is in Jesus Christ. And so we have no major concern. Oh, I just don't like pain. Just make it quick, please. You know, but when it comes down to it, I know where I'm going. My last breath here will be followed by my first breath in heaven. And, you know, while I look forward to that day, I also know that there is time for us to be here for a reason to minister to others, to share the good news with others, to be an example for them. Even before Jesus was born as a man, the evidence of God was everywhere. God made it clear to us 2,000 years ago by sending his son to die for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the good news. We were condemned already, but that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn us. We were condemned. He came to save so that we wouldn't be condemned any longer. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus as a man, we should really remember who he is. He's not only our Savior, he is God. He's also our brother. Because every believer in Jesus Christ has been adopted by God. And Jesus has become our brother. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. What an awesome thing. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He spent his life in Israel teaching everyone about the love of God. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. And in a few months, we're going to celebrate his resurrection. Where he proved that he had power over life and death. And he wanted us to recognize that. So we will fully trust in him. That's the Jesus we celebrate today. And we should celebrate him not only today, but every day of our lives. In Luke chapter 2 we read, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quinius was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out to the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lighting in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And that is the greatest story of all time, God becoming man.